The Alan Watts iPhone app is now available on the iTunes App Store, featuring the entire Alan Watts podcast series at your fingertips. Visit alanwattsapp.com for more information. A, a person, I would say, who is um, really functioning completely, he is basically a person who trusts his own brains. and permits his brain to operate at a more optimal level. In other words, he knows how to think things out, but he makes his best discoveries without thinking. In other words, you all know very well the processes of um, creative invention. You've got a problem, you think it over, and you can't find out any answer to it because the digital system of thinking is too simple, too clumsy to deal with it. It's more complex. There are more variables than can be kept in, in mind at one time. So you say, I'll sleep on it. Or you go to a, the Institute of Advanced Studies at Princeton, uh, Behavioral Sciences at Stanford, where they pay you to goof off, which is highly excellent idea. And you moon around and you've got a blackboard and you look out the window and pick your nose and so on. And your brain eventually hands you the solution to the problem. And you immediately, because you have technical knowledge, you recognize that's a solution. But then, naturally, you go back and check it. And you work the, the bit-by-bit form of thinking on it and see, now, does it come out in those terms? And if it does... Everybody will agree with you. Yes, that's the answer. But if it doesn't come out in those terms, they won't agree with you. Because you haven't subjected it to the socially acceptable, traditional form of analyzing knowledge. But here's the problem. It takes an awful long time to check these things out. It takes an awful long time to arrive at the solution which you've got like that by a purely calculative process. Most of the situations of life are such that they don't wait for us to make up our minds. So that an enormous amount of carefully worked out scientific knowledge is trivial. We're all very well, very finely worked out, but much too late. Because life presents you, life comes at you from all sides, all over everywhere at once. And the only thing you've got to deal with that is the thing inside here, in the skull. Now, I'm not saying this to put down all this marvelous work of calculation, brought to immense sophistication electronically and so on. Not at all, because actually you people are the first people to understand the limitations of your own kind of knowledge. And you're going to have to tell the politicians about this. They don't understand. They, they think that this kind of knowledge is the answer to everything. And I think most of you know it isn't. Which is not something, I repeat, against technology. It's only saying that when you walk, you put your right foot forward. 
that's fine, but then you must put your left foot forward. So let's say that the, the great technological enterprise has been putting the right foot forward. But you must bring up the left foot. That is to say, bring up, re-valuation, a new respect for the organic type of organization, which is incomprehensible to technological thinking, but which always underlies it. That by itself doesn't work, because after you bring the left foot up, you've again got to bring up the right foot. The analytic. After goo comes prickles. After prickles comes goo. You have to keep this thing up. And I think our danger at the present time is that um, we are so heady, so delighted with the results of prickles that we've got to let back a little bit of goo into the system. <laughs> well, now, what we've got to try and do is, I think, to work out a way of making the brain itself more efficient. And this is the thing that civilized education has neglected. Lynn White, to quote him again, used to say that um, the academic world today only values three kinds of intelligence. Verbal intelligence, mnemonic intelligence, in other words, good at remembering, and computational intelligence. He said it entirely neglects kinesthetic intelligence, social intelligence, and he had at least seven kinds of intelligence. I forget what they all were. But it is this extraordinary capacity of the, the, the neural organization, say, to engage in pattern recognition and in solving instantly certain complex problems without knowing how it does it. The trouble is, when you do something you don't know how to do, you've got a non-repeatable experiment, in a certain sense. In other words, you can't explain to someone else uh, how to put it together. But you can do it like you can open and close your hand without any knowledge of physiology. Do it every time. Whoops, I don't know how I do it. I just do it, you see. So we have an enormous potential of intelligence, of knowing how to do all sorts of things, which, to the extent that we are academically minded people, we won't allow ourselves to do, because we can't explain it. You know, there are, for example, there's a way of um, cooling a brazing furnace. It's very simple. Uh, but engineers say it's theoretically impossible. It can't happen. It's like bees can't fly by the laws of aerodynamics, but they do. So the rather practical issue I come to is this, that um, 
technology, if it relies exclusively on linear thinking, is going to destroy the environment. It's going to become too complicated to handle. Man is going to be like the dinosaur, which had to have a brain in its head and a brain in its rump because it was so big. You know, the caveman kept a dinosaur. And when he went to bed at night, he'd clump it on the tail with a club and it'd scream at 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Wake him up. <laughs> and it seems to me we're getting into that kind of saurian situation with our technology, which is going to lead us to extinction. So the question is, are we going to foul things up by insisting on using linear input information and controlling it as the dominant tool of controlling the world? Or can we master all that as we have done and still use the linear input and analysis but with a fundamental trust in our power to assimilate multiple input although we, we really don't know how we do it and my point is that uh, you can't find an absolute which you can pin down you see so there always remains in any human operation uh, the, the basic central thing which you can't pin down because it's you <laughs> just as the teeth can't bite themselves now the assumption of Judeo-Christian culture is that man in his nature is sinful and therefore can't be trusted the assumption of at least ancient Chinese culture is that man in his essential nature is good and therefore has to be trusted. Because they say to us, if you can't trust your own basic nature, you can't really rely on the idea that you're untrustworthy. Therefore, you're hopelessly fouled up. So, uh, this has an amazing political and other consequences, this different assumption. If we say, no, we human beings are fallible and uh, basically selfish and really, really fundamentally evil, and therefore we need law and order. We need a control system to put us in order. We thereby project these control systems into the church or into the police or into somebody who are really ourselves disguised. See, it's like daylight saving time. Um, we... <laughs> Everybody could simply get up an hour earlier. But uh, instead of doing that, we alter the clock. Because the clock is a kind of authority. And uh, we say, well, the clock says it's time for you to get up. And they, the Indian, Amer Amerindians laugh at the pale faces because they say, pale face, he doesn't know when he's hungry until he looks at his watch. And so in this way, we become clock dominated. Uh, and the abstract system takes over from the physical 
organic situation. And, and, and this is my big pitch, if I'm going to make a big pitch, is that um, we've run into a cultural situation where we've confused the symbol with the physical reality, the money with the wealth, and the menu with the dinner. And we're starving on eating menus. to Alan Watts from the Spoken Word Library of the Electronic University. For copies of this and other Alan Watts programs, please go to alanwatts.com on the World Wide Web or call us toll-free at 1-800-W-O-WATTS. That's A-L-A-N-W-A-T-T-S dot com or 1-800-W-O-W-A-T-T-S. The Watts website features free audio downloads, program lists, and information on Watts' life and works. Once again, that's alanwatts.com or 1-800-W-O-WATTS.